normal service now resumed down at the Albion. Well, the mood of this pod certainly won't be what it was last week. It's been a roller coaster of a week for Albion, um, and we'll be tackling all that today on today's Baggies broadcast. Uh, welcome to the latest episode, sponsored by Adoption at Heart. My name's Johnny Drury, and as always, I'm joined by your wonderful Albion correspondent, Joe Massey. Joe, like I said, there it was a bit of a roller coaster of a week. The highs and the emotions of Fulham, and then the the lows and the late drama of of Bristol. How are you? How are you feeling, mate? Mate, I'm fine. It's all about you, mate. You were absolutely buzzing last week, along with me, and then now you're complete opposite, aren't you? Because you got COVID. Mate, it's been a, it's been a, been a, been a bad few days. I thought I was buzzing for Bristol. Went to went to Wolves on Friday night, and some Albion fans tweeted me. Agent Dreary did a job at Wolves on Friday night. <laughs> you were loving um, it, weren't you? When Leeds scored last minute. Do you know what? As much as I'm an Albion fan, and we're like programmed to dislike Wolves. At 2-0, I was thinking, right, this is going to be great. I can go outside, the fan video will take like two minutes. I can come back in, get my work done and I'll be home quite early. As it happened, it was the craziest game of the season. They lost 3-2. It took me about 25 minutes to get three fans to talk. So in the end, it was it was difficult. But but yeah, like people were saying, I, I got a lot of stick from Wolves fans apparently. I've been having stick from Albion fans for having like <laughs> one win in 20. I've got like two defeats on the spin at Molyneux and I'm getting more stick. From Wolves fans, um, but yeah, it was a. Uh, so I was at Wolves Friday, saw all that excitement, and I thought, right, get home. Long day at Bristol on Saturday, but I'm look, really looking forward to it. Woke up on Saturday morning feeling under the weather, and as we all know, tested positive for COVID. Oh, was hoping Albion would lift me spirits, but well, That's Adam Reach did at the end that. of the day, but it sounded pretty, pretty dreadful, really, Joe. Um, which I'm sure we'll we'll talk about, but. The one thing I did say this to Joe on the phone on Saturday morning, I felt more guilty about how Joe, basically as a bit of background, there was only me and Joe travelling together. There's usually four of us going to away games. Joe Chapman, Steve Madeley, me and Joe. But it was only going to be me and Joe. I was driving. I felt more guilty that Joe had to drive to Bristol on his own. So how was your trip, Joe? Like, uh, how did you keep yourself amused? How, how was the trip down? Because it's, it's a bit of a bit of a stomp down to Bristol. Um, it was fine, mate. It was absolutely fine. I uh, obviously missed you. Um, I actually listened to the Baggies broadcast on the way home. Uh, was that very, weird, very was that a weird experience? Uh, very, very listened to our podcast, but gave a little little listen back to get some Johnny Drury time still. Um, yeah, it was fine, mate. I actually I was stressed at the game. Two reasons. One, because we were rubbish. And two, because um, I parked by a sign that said, do not park here on a match day. <laughs> I didn't read the email properly, didn't think I had any parking, tried to park on a street near the ground, and there was basically this one, there was this, everyone was obviously parking there for the game, like obviously everyone was ignoring the, the sign, but the whole time I was at the game I was thinking, I'm going to be clamped, I'm going to be clamped, um, but I wasn't, so that was a win, that was, that was the one positive of the day, um, but yeah, it started badly by you texting me in the morning saying I've got some bad news mate, knew what was coming then, um, and then yeah. Albion were very, very poor. Season over, Season. 99% officially. There we go. You've heard it there. The one thing I was gutted about, I'd sent Joe... A, I was still working. I was working from home. As some Albion fans will... Or, well, they do get in touch and ask about the press food, don't they, Joe? Oh, what was the press food today? So I thought I'd be an Albion fan and ask you. Sounded like it was delightful at Bristol on Saturday. Sounds like I missed the right treat. You did miss it. Yeah, it's good, mate. It was, yeah. it was something like lemon and lime chicken or something. Yeah, nice little sautéed potatoes. Yeah. Oh, I'm gutted, mate. I'm gutted. But I, I, said... wouldn't, I wouldn't be gutted about it, mate. The food's not that good. It's certainly not. <laughs> You're going down a Luke Hatfield path here. Le- no one down. cares, mate. Play it it down, wasn't that good. I thought something was quite amusing that I... Basically, I've been stuck in a room for the last four days. On Saturday, my girlfriend went out and got me a bit of a care package from the local supermarket. Sandwich, sausage rolls, some crisps, a drink to take me through the day. So I just put a picture up. As most Albion fans would have seen, I wasn't at the game. So I just took a picture saying my press food today is 5 out of 10. You know, average. not not, not, uh, Just a a bit of a joke. It was nice, to be fair. But just a bit of a joke. Some fans took it a bit literally. And and one fan said... If that's the opera of Bristol City, that's a bit of a joke. <laughs> Another guy said it was cheap um, and unhealthy. So, yeah, I probably won't try that again. Um, but I think the, the joke went way over their heads. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad the trip down was all right for you, Joe. As I said, I was a bit a bit guilty that you had to travel back on your own. Um, do, do you want 
sort of sitting in a service station on your own where you're eating your McDonald's doing your work. I stopped off somewhere to get a McDonald's and do my player yeah. ratings. Um, but yeah, don't worry about me, mate. No I'm an old man these days. I can, I can, I can go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just on a few other, other points. We've had the fan of the week for the last two weeks. We've had two great ones, but we haven't got anyone this week. My theory is that these Albion fans are too humble and they don't want to put themselves forward. But throw that out the window. You, there's going to be some great stories out there. Get in touch with us with some weird, wacky, wonderful, great Albion fan stories to be him of a chance of, of uh, being named Fan of the Week. So, on that note, the first two, Clint and Mary, they can take joint Fan of the Week this week because we haven't got anyone, basically. So, step up, Albion fans, for the coming weeks. I want some uh, I want some more cracking stories. Um, and then just before we get into the, to Bristol, um, as we mentioned last week, towards the end of the season, just so it's not just me and Joe just rabbiting on in the close season about random stuff while nothing's going on at the Albion. We're going to try and get some guests on, um, some former Albion players, hopefully a couple of former Albion managers, if possible. Um, we've got a couple lined up. We're not going to announce them, but we've got a couple of good ones lined up, haven't we, Joe, which hopefully will, uh, will sort of fill some time for the Baggies fans over the over the close season when they're on holiday, sat by the pool. Um, so, yeah, we've got some good pods, hopefully, coming up towards the end of the season. Um, hopefully be able to confirm them. Very, very soon. Um, one that's potentially very exciting. I'm going to jump in there. I know you're going to move on. But for pe- people, it's not. It's 90% confirmed, unfortunately. A lot of 100% confirmed. But you did text me yesterday, very excited, saying, mate, I think I've got an absolute banger. And fair to say... Was that my description? Banger, was it? It was something like that. I can't was remember. It? Something like that. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be interesting to find out who that is. And then you told me, and I was like, whoa, fair play. If we get him, it is going to be huge. Um, so just a little teaser for everyone, because the, the chap has said yes. The, um, we're just waiting for his club to say yes. Um, but if we do, then that's going to be, I think I think an awful lot of people will be tuning into that, it's fair to say. Basically, if, if we get that, then your contest with Andy Johnson will be over basically yeah it'll be over you might as well just give up not they'll be able to go for 10 years and they won't get the list not even get. not even carry on bantering you basically just yeah. just, just bury it I'd be, um, lo- be nice to stick him in a corner there and tell him to shut up wouldn't it <laughs> oh it'd be lovely <laughs> <laughs> uh, right there we go um, so yeah Brist- let's get on to Bristol that's the you know the talking point that's why we're all here as Joe said the season um, according to him, is ninety nine point nine percent over. Uh, Joe, I um, obviously had the misfortune of not being able to travel, um, but after watching forty five minutes on a terribly dodgy stream, um, <laughs> not on my work's laptop. Wow, well, we're professional. Add. Yeah, yeah, it was on my uh, my other laptop, but it wasn't great. Um, after for forty five minutes, you know, I'm quite glad I wasn't there. But certainly, that first forty five minutes, it sounded and it looked absolutely terrible. You know, what 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 happened to Albion? Well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, and unfortunately, well, what what do we think the answer is? We, I mean, in my in my opinion, the answer is that we've got a team—not a team, but we've got well, a team with a fair few players who, in my opinion, are chokers. Um, is no other way to say it, really. We, we we try and be positive on this podcast. We try and be upbeat. I think we're very very kind, really. Um, and the way we talk about the club and the players, and we've just we've just seen it all before with them, and that's the issue. It's this it's this question of ex, of expectation, and you got to think back to the last season. This absolute. I mean, I wrote this yesterday, and expectation on their shoulders is a fascinating thing. Last season, Albion drew at home with Man United, and they should have won away. Uh, Conor Gallagher absolutely should have had a penalty yeah. um, in that game. It was absolute. They like robbery that Albion didn't get anything in that game. But they basically put in, they basically got, in a way, basically got two results against Man United last season. Chelsea, they beat them 5 2 at Stamford Bridge. They were 3 1 up at the Hawthorns um, and. Bottled they, it. Well, bottled it, yeah. An absolutely incredible performance from Mason Mount, I have to, I have to say. Um, he was absolutely fantastic at the Hawthorns that night. But yeah, and Enzig 3 3. A draw with Chelsea went on to be European champions that year. Can't say it's a bad result. Four points off Chelsea last season. Albion went to Liverpool and drew. Um, they would have also drawn at the Hawthorns if Alisson hadn't scored. <laughs> um, we're basically the last header of the game. Um, 
Who else in the top four? Man City. They, Albion was spanked at home by Man City 5-0. But they drew at the Etihad, of course, um, in Slavon Bilic's last game. The game that he was ruthlessly, nastily, whatever you want to call it, sacked afterwards. Um, so, look, we... we, we We've seen all, there's just absolutely no excuse for these players to be able to put in those performances against the elite, the elite. Um, when there's no pressure on their shoulders, when nobody expects anything from them, they are a match for anyone. Um, and then, but when the pressure's on, when the expectancy is there, they fall apart. That's the truth. Fit and, and and like we do, we do know that players listen to this podcast and. But I, I don't see how anyone can say otherwise. I don't see how anyone could be upset with those comments. I'm not saying every single one of them does it, and I, I don't think every single one of them does. The genuine truth is, I don't know which ones do crumble with the pressure. Um, but there certainly is enough, enough to make a difference. Enough that if it's four, five, six, seven, however many players it might be, you can't go into a game with that many players underperforming. Um and that is what happened. Yes, we were bringing against Fulham. We really were. We dominated them. We were the only team that deserved to win the game. But there was absolutely no pressure on their shoulders. There was no expectation on them. We all went to, we all went to that game expecting to be beat, just like we did when we went to Man City, just like we did when we went to Anfield, just like we were when Man United came to the Hawthorns. It's just the same old, same old, same old. Um, and to me, that can be the only reason why. It's a pattern. It's a pattern now. Like we've seen it, we've seen it enough times. And there is something in this group of players that, when the pressure is on, when it really matters, when they have to perform, they don't do it. Um, and that is ultimately why the club are going to have to make significant changes in the summer. That is why this team needs a refresh. And that is why. A lot of supporters are fed up with these group of players. Not not in terms of individually, maybe, but certainly collectively. Everyone's had enough. Everyone's had enough. They know they should be getting better. Better from them. They should be doing better in these games. It is. It's the frustration, isn't it? You know, after watching... Albion were, Albion were exceptional, or to coin our phrase, sensational against Fulham, weren't they? They were. They were. And you just think, if you take three quarters of that display into Bristol, you probably win 2 or 3-0 at Ashton Gate on Saturday. You're just I know football's not that simple, and I know it is more of a complicated game than that, but if Albion turned up and played, like we said, 75% of what they did against Fulham, they would have won that game, and that I think no one can understand why they can't do it, if you get you know, obviously there is a little bit more pressure on, but there wasn't really, what, what, I know Bruce said there was pressure, but even going into Bristol, Albion is still a way away off the playoffs. You know, still not with expectation on their shoulders almost. And that's the most frustrating part, isn't it? It's just, why can't... It's weird. Why can't they follow up such a great display? You know, they against Birmingham, you know, all the pressure's off now because they are so far away off the playoffs. It's not going to happen. You know, they'll probably go and blow Birmingham away. Yeah. But that cycle needs breaking. Like you said there, that cycle needs breaking, doesn't it? And the only way they're going to break that is by changing personnel. Yeah, I think so. And I think, like I said, it is, it is very, very hard to know who, which of these players do struggle in this situation. And I think Albion are just not going to, they're not going to be able to make wholesale, wholesale changes in the summer because too many players are under contract. But what they are going to have to do is identify maybe three players um, who they feel, and it could be sort of like, in the in the in the leadership group, if you like, if if Albion have got a leadership group, I'm not sure they have to be honest. Um, with the exception of Jake Livermore, I don't think it's a, maybe Darro Shay. I don't think there's many leaders in the group at all. But uh, you're going to need to get rid of sort of three and bring in three better characters, I'd say, and hope if that those three new players, together with the likes of Jake Livermore and Darro Shay, can drag the others along with them. I think. Um, because they're soft. Albion are soft. Like that's the truth. It. Some of these players are soft, um, and you can see with, there's certain players who aren't soft. Like Andy Carroll's not soft. It's as simple as that. He's he's only been at the club a couple of months. He's there's a fair chance he won't be at the club next year. But he's not soft, is he? Like you can and every and every and every time he plays, 
He's demanding more from his teammates. He's shouting at them. He's screaming at them. He's telling them where they need to be. He's raising standards. And who in Albion's team do you see raising standards? Who do you see that... No. You see one or two of them throwing their hands up in the air and moaning at their teammates when they don't get the ball to their feet or a pass goes astray or they're happy to have a bit of a rant. But you don't see much encouragement, really. You don't see people driving each other on well, I'd say with the exception of Jake Livermore to be honest um, there's no leaders in there is there there's, well there probably was against Fulham but you know on the whole there's no stand like aside from Livermore you don't really see any leaders no I don't, I don't think you do I don't think you do see any, any real leaders and yeah I think it's like I said it's a pattern now we've seen it so many times I, it, it all goes back to sort of Covid and falling over the line in that promotion season I think I think they were extraordinary circumstances. Like I think everyone knew how important that promotion was based on how much money had come out of the club because of COVID, how much clubs were losing because of COVID. So the pressure was on the players there to get up. So I can sort of understand why they struggled, but they definitely over-struggled, if you like. It was that they, 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 they shouldn't have made it as hard as they did. Um, and then, yeah, Premier League, again... And this season now, they've they've fallen apart when it when when it matters. And I think there was pressure on them at Bristol City. Like I know you're saying they're they're below in the table, but if anyone's capable of a run on paper, it's us. I mean, this is the team that went ten games unbeaten at the start of the season. We are West Bromwich Albion at the end of the day. We were the promotion favourites. We have got big name players. We have got players who are on a hell of a lot of money compared to players who play for Luton, Blackburn, um, teams like that. So. Everyone sort of was sensing that if we go on a run and Fulham could be a springboard to that. And Bristol City was a very, very like, like n- nice fixture to have on paper. Um, they weren't playing well um, recently. You look at their XG in games, the games they've won, they've won them by fortune, really. They've, 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 they've scraped a fair few wins. They don't defend very well. They really don't deal with set pieces very well, which is really frustrating when you look at the set piece delivery Albion put in at Ashton Gate. They're just not a good side. They're just a bang average side. Bristol City are bang average. Um, but no, but just so many players just didn't do enough at, at Ashton Gate. All over the park, really. Um, I mean, the two goals were embarrassing. Fair play to Steve Shocking, Bruce. I mean, he called them schoolboy. Um, they really were. I mean, they're just completely unmarked both times. I mean, Narky Wowser's goal was just unbelievable. Um yeah, no one, nothing from the wing backs at all. Moet set piece delivery, just not there. Jake Hufton puffed, but didn't do a lot. Taylor Garden Hickman, probably his worst performance since he's, he's been in the team this season because he's been so good, but he didn't have an impact. And the front two were, I mean, first half, they were absolutely atrocious. I mean, the ball, the ball just kept coming back. There's literally. Yeah, I thought atrocious probably doesn't do it justice. There was just literally nothing, was there? It was absolutely just blunt. nothing. Um, which put everyone, the rest of the team under pressure. Um, I mean, it just Albion were dreadful for 25 minutes, but so were Bristol City. So nothing happened. Yeah. And then Bristol City improved slightly, um, and that was it. Then it was just. I mean, they could have been three 0 up at half time. Sam Johnston made one really good save. Chris Martin's missed an absolute sitter. Um, and, I mean, Bruce said it at post, he just couldn't believe it. He just couldn't believe the drop-off, um, how bad they were first half. When he sat down and said, first half, that's one of the worst games of football he's seen. Um, it just wasn't wrong. I mean, it's just staggering. It is. It's just you're struggling to find words to describe just the frustration, the the continuing frustration. It's so up and down, isn't it? And and just just one um one thing I will mention, certainly for the second half, what defender was poor, particularly poor. If you're Dara O'Shea and you're sitting on that bench, you chomping at the bit to get back in that back three because they were pretty pretty bang average for both the goals, weren't they on the on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. I think I mean look, Dara O'Shea is obviously he's away with Ireland now, so. And we've put a story out today, Steve Bruce saying he thinks he's a future captain, and I think he's a future captain. I'm a big fan of Dara O'Shea. Um, I think in that story, Bruce explains why he hasn't been playing and that the mistake which he said of putting him at right back. He put him at right back against Middlesbrough and Swansea earlier, well, earlier this month it was. It feels like forever ago, but 
Um, oh, sorry, it might have been February. I can't. But he he um, he put him there because he wanted him in the team, and I think he wanted him in the team basically for his character, for his leadership, for the way he's so committed. For the he's a warrior, isn't he? Like everyone says yeah. that about him. And but he isn't a right back, and that sort of situation backfired really. Um, and he and he's obviously come just come back from a long term injury. So Bruce, what I do like about Bruce is he holds his hands up and admits his mistakes. Like he admitted there's a mistake to put O'Shane at right back. He admitted it was a mistake to go four three three earlier in the season. And yeah, I think Dara O'Shea will be will be fighting to get in. It'd be interesting to see who comes out for. I got bar that game. Um, I think Shemi Ajay is offering something at the minute as an overlapping centre back. He's he really is getting down that right hand side and sending some decent crosses into the box. It, to be honest, he looks our biggest threat down the right. Um, I do think Matt Clark's a very good player, so I think I think it's Bartley that O'Shea's now. Yeah, I'd be looking at Bartley's so. place um, if I was Dara. Um, yeah, and I think if there was a change there, I don't think many many fans would be upset. No, just finally one positive was that late goal from the makeshift centre forward Adam Reach. Um, Bruce, I think one of Steve Bruce's comments at the end was quite. Uh, Quite amusing. He said he didn't. Someone said he didn't have many attacking opportunities on the bench. Bruce said he had Adam Reach, who came on and scored, um, <laughs> and had a little joke about it. Took his goal tremendously well for someone who's been so out of form. You couldn't help but be pleased for him. I thought Joe. We had a lot of comments come through on social media after the game. You know, Reach. Is, you can tell he gives hundred percent. He's probably not at the level. He's obviously hasn't. His performances haven't been up to scratch. He's talking an aw- taking an awful lot of flack against from West Brom fans, got booed off, I think it was against Swansea. So it's quite nice to see him salvage a late point if it was going to be anyone on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, well, I I don't think he's been out of form. I think that's a bit like, harsh. I think, and Bruce, again, like I say, he admits his mistakes. And he, after the game, he admitted it was a mistake to play Adam Reach basically in a 4-3-3 in central midfield, but as the most advanced um, attacking midfielder. He wasn't quite ever a number 10, um, but he wasn't far off. Um, he was certainly the most advanced of the three midfielders. And it's just it's just not his position. Um, so I think rather than in being out of form, I think the truth is he was played out of, out of position and he did his absolute best in that role, but it's just not where he, he needs to be. I've spoken to Adam Reach a couple of times, said it before on this podcast, he comes across very different to your average footballer. He's a, I mean, he's absolutely lovely. He comes across like he was sort of the prefect at school, like he was head boy. Um, he speaks very well. Um I don't know if you say he's posh, because he's not posh, but he's quite posh for a footballer. <laughs> he's not posh, though, but it's hard to describe what I mean. But he's at, he's really nice. He, he speaks really well. And in football these days, there's a boo boy. Every club, at every moment in time, it feels like has to have a boo boy. There has to be a target for fans on social media to sort of vent their anger at and, and like, target and... It was Jake Livermore, wasn't it? After the, after he got a red card against Sheffield United, Jake Livermore was public enemy number one and he was very much the target of Twitter, you would say. And then he served a suspension. Everyone realised when he was out of the team and when he came back into the team, he's actually our best midfielder. So no one... It's all sort of gone quiet now on Jake. And Adam Reach was next in line um, to be the sort of... The, the Twitter like be well just to be abused on social media and and the truth is he was played out of position um, he's a left sided player as I'm reaching a left sided player played the vast majority of his career he's not mate he's a centre forward no well he played damn well at centre back <laughs> against Reading damn well um, he did yeah he did god yeah of course he played centre half so he's a versatile player um, look, Adam Reach is a squad player. Adam Reach knows he's a squad player. Adam, he's not kick up, like he wants to play every week. He's made that clear in a couple of interviews, which you've got to really admire. But in, he knows his place. Bless him. Like he, he signed basically his understudy to Connor Townsend at left wing back. So, like, I think Steve Bruce really likes him. He had him at Sheffield Wednesday. He basically played every minute for him at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, He's, very, he's he's reliable. He's reliable. Like he's gonna he's gonna put a shift in. He's gonna tr- give his all every week. I just think it was really nice. I was pleased. I mean, I, 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 I did Albion deserve to get to get the, the draw? Prob- probably based on the second half performance. But defending was so shocking for both goals that I mean, Bristol City came away very aggrieved um, that they didn't win it. Um, but yeah, I was I was pleased for him, and I would just say like. 
Look, it's not nothing I say is going to change it. It's just the way of the world now. But he didn't he didn't deserve what he was getting on social media. He really didn't deserve it. Like he's he's a nice lad, a good pro, a decent squad player, and that's what that's his standing. Like he doesn't need to be like he he wasn't signed in the summer to to take us like to be single-handedly carriers to the Premier League. He's not he's not Mateus Pereira. Like it's just like so I think sometimes people just need a bit of a reality check. Um, when they're giving out this abuse on social media, because it it just wasn't fair. Um, it wasn't fair, but it was it was it was nice to see him pop up at the end and um, yeah, get that late equaliser. Yeah, please for you, please for you, Adam. Um, we've we've touched on it. We're gonna. I've, I've done a little bit of done a little bit of statistical research, Joe. Um, the playoffs now. Albion seven points behind sixth place teams with them have got games in hand my question is is it realistic last year you needed 70, I think it was 77 to get in I think the season before that was 70 it was quite low then 74 based on last year Albion would have to win every single game between now and the end of the season to get in the playoffs that's amazing it's it's gone isn't it really it's it, it's not impossible but you know it has gone. Last isn't it? year, they'd have to win every one. Based on last the season year. when it was seventy points, they're going to have to win six of eight, aren't they? Based on the season before that, they're going to have to win seven of eight. Seven, yeah, and we need a draw in there as well. Yeah. Do can we see Albion winning six of eight? Personally, I can't. No. In it's an even... ideal world, you could, yeah, but Albion, we as we know, this Albion squad doesn't live in an ideal world, um, and. It's gone, isn't it? As much as we want to sort of cling on to it and hope that Albion can put a miraculous run together, I think being realistic, like you said, it's ninety nine percent, ninety nine percent done now. I mean, what? Look, if they, they're not going to do it. I mean, if they, if they did do it, it'd be absolutely amazing, and it would absolutely change everyone's viewpoint of this group of players. Which I've got no doubt, this group of players want that viewpoint changed. They don't want to be seen. In the way, that I think that's the other side. That's the other side you've got to mention as well, isn't it? That yeah, these players are crumbling when the pressure's on, but they don't want to lose football matches. They don't. They, there's obviously something that's causing them to, you know, not be able to handle the the big, not the big occasion, but the pressure when it's on. Yeah, I'm really uh, glad you said that. I'm really, really glad you said that because part- I think that's across football as well. Sorry to just interject as well. Fans of all clubs got you know, social media is a cesspit, isn't it? A lot of the time, people will get slagged off. Players don't want to lose football matches. They don't lose, even if they've got a terrible attitude. They don't want to lose games. They don't want to lose games of football. They don't go out there to lose games of football. Um, but so yeah, I think that's probably interesting or, or probably an important point to make as well. Despite the fact, you know, yes, we have hammered them in the first twenty-eight minutes of this podcast, quite rightly. But you know, they don't want to. They don't want to be bottlers or crumble under the pressure. If you get my point. Yeah, and I think there's a I think there's a really important thing to to differentiate between if you if you're a bottler or a choker, it doesn't mean you're a bad apple. No, and I think that's like that's because I've said I think people go get I think that's really not well very well understood. Like I genuinely hand on heart don't think there's any bad apples in Albion squad. I genuinely don't. I think they're all good lads and they all they're all trying and they're all want to succeed and. I don't think there's anyone that throws a towel in, or, but, but I do think I do think clearly. I think there's there's a number of them who are mentally weak, who are not strong enough in the head to be able to perform when the pressure's on. It doesn't. It doesn't. And there is a difference. Like I'm not. I'm not saying they're like. It's 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 almost like a quality thing. It's like, it's like you know, like in like, you know, like Cristiano Ronaldo always scores late, or like. Yeah. The top players, Harry Kane, the, the, the top top teams, this, how many late goals do they score? They score a lot of late goals. Man United used to always score late, like always, always, always. And it's not, that's a quality thing. They are mentally stronger than the opposition. They don't tire the same. They keep their focus. They keep their concentration better. That's what makes them an elite player. They've got something else that the average player hasn't. The fact that they can keep going for... Whereas most players can probably like keep going for sort of like eighty minutes, 
and then but then they really they start to tire in this back a bit like these players can go for 95 and go for like 100 they're just something in them that just keeps them that focus that concentration it doesn't tire them out the same um and i think that's what it's sort of similar with albion's players they're not something in them mentally just makes them crumble when the pressure's on so something in them puts them they go in their showers they don't take risks they, they're not brave they're not brave it's like a bravery thing it's not that they're like bad bad eggs like they're just not brave enough um it's like yeah that's that's what it is that's that's what that's what i think it is anyway but Hopefully they listen to us and prove us wrong and win eight games out of eight and we're in the playoffs. Yeah, well, that's uh, what we'd love. But that's like, that's what we want to happen, wouldn't it? And they don't want. That's what I'm saying. We don't. They don't want to be seen as chokers, as bottlers. But if you said to me now, I'd back them to win seven games in a row and lose against Barnsley last game of the season and miss out by a point. That's what we think of them at the minute. That and that is the truth, isn't it? Like that is what we think of them. We think you'll bottle it. We just think you're going to bottle it. Mm. So like. And that's a horrible thing to say when you don't think they're bad lads, when you don't think they're bad eggs. Because like, calling, calling someone a bottler is, is horrible. Like, it's not... No one wants to be called a bottler. No, like, of it's horrible. Like, but that's what, kind of what we expect from them now. And, I mean, it'd be amazing if they could prove us wrong. Amazing. Um, but personally, look, none of us think they're going to do it. Maybe it's a quality issue as well. Maybe they're just not good enough. But I'd like to think that in the summer, get rid of three or four of them. And I think Albion are going to have to be like, it's going to be for the greater good. You're going to have to like, it wouldn't bother me if Albion didn't, if Albion had a policy this summer of we're not going to spend any money. That wouldn't bother me if it meant that we could get, that would give us some flexibility to get rid of a few. Yeah. If we stuck to three, like if we could sign a couple of free agents and get a couple of decent loans from the Premier League, and ship four out, but that means maybe giving them free transfers that players who wouldn't necessarily normally be free transfers, but just to try and move them on. Yeah, I think that may be the way we have to go. So I think we maybe have to be creative this summer. Biting think, the bullet, almost. Biting the bullet. Yeah, I think like Steve Bruce will have to be strong. If Steve Bruce is the manager next season, I think Steve Bruce will have to be strong and say, "You're not going to be part of my plans. You're not going to play." Um. So it's in everyone's best interests for for a partner the ways. We'll give you a free or we'll give you a very minimal sort of we'll put you up for sale at a fee that's yeah. gonna be attractive to our teams and I think three or four senior players need to probably go. And in their place comes some fresh blood and um freshen things up mentality wise. That's that's my opinion anyway. Thinking of adoption? We have all the information you need at Adoption at Heart, your regional adoption agency for the Black Country. Adoption at Heart provides adoption services for City of Wolverhampton Council, Walsall Council, Dudley Metropolitan Borough Council and Sandwell Children's Trust and is encouraging those who are considering adoption to come forward and take the next step. The Black Country Agency is appealing for adopters who can give our children lots of individual time, understanding and ongoing support and are looking to recruit adopters from within a diverse section of the community irrespective of gender, sexual orientation, disability, race or faith. To start your adoption journey or to find out more, why not book onto the next virtual information event? Visit adoptionatheart.org.uk to see the next available dates and to book your place or, alternatively, you can call 01902 553818. Being an adoptive parent can be challenging, but it also brings great rewards. If you're interested in finding out more, please contact Adoption at Heart today by visiting adoptionatheart.org. There we go. That's Bristol. Disappointment. Uh, moving on. Just before we get on to sort of what we've got your questions later in the programme, we're going to talk about Joe's under-23 assignment last night as he went to the Hawthorns. Bit of a disappointing end. Um, but just a bit of news. Teddy Gardner-Hickman got his debut under-20s England call-up. Um, thoroughly deserved, Joe. Great news for the for the young lad. Yeah, yeah. He, he does deserve it. He's done, obviously done really really well um ever since that whole game really he's had a yeah crazy couple of weeks uh gonna be very interesting to see where he plays I, I don't know if you saw on their squad sheet they had him down as a defender um which i thought was interesting because i think he will very much see himself as a central midfielder or a sort of a winger um but yeah gonna be yeah i'd imagine he'll get a run in central midfield you'd like to think but I don't massively know an awful lot about England in the 20 squad. But yeah, delighted for him to... Um, yeah, it's rich reward, isn't it? I mean, that's that's fantastic for him after the couple of weeks he's had to get that recognition. Yeah. Amazing. 
Well done. Well done, Taylor. Um, Sam Johnston was left out of the England squad for friendlies against Switzerland and the Ivory Coast. And we've heard yesterday with Aaron Ramsdale dropping out of the squad, Johnston has now been called up. Joe, this will sort of tackle a couple of questions that we've had in. Um, you surprised that he wasn't picked? Personally, I wasn't really, given recent form. But, you know, but on top of that, good news, you know, he's he's got another... England experience under, or he will get another England experience under his belt whether he gets a cap or not we're not sure um, but what's your view of the situation yeah but obviously a big Sam Johnson fan but wasn't surprised to see him left out to be honest uh, I mean the squad was announced it was announced this week but in the grand scheme of things it wasn't announced it was only announced shortly after that Huddersfield game wasn't it of course yeah um, and I think Sam left even Sam would admit he was at fault for both goals really um, there was sort of the second goal other people as well it wasn't just him but um, yeah he's obviously going to be very disappointed with those two goals the truth is Aaron Ramsdale has been outstanding for Arsenal um, ever since he's gone there he's probably going to be their player of the year um, or fans player of the year the way how popular he is um, Pope's back in form at Burnley Pickford is England's number one so yeah, I don't think it was a surprise to see him left out this time round when you think he's in the Championship. He's been in the Championship all season playing for... A, and he hasn't really shone for us this year, has he, in the way that he did in the Premier League last year. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that was a real surprise. But, look, he's got back in because um, of Ramsdale's injury, which is great for him. And, look, when I'm sure he'll be in the Premier League next year, let's be honest, and that's when he'll be putting pressure on to get back in again, won't he? Because he needs to be in the Premier League, really, yeah. if he's going to play for England. Yeah, of course he does. Finally, uh, Joey, after the well, the late show, you know, we got the point. Disappointment overall at Bristol. We heard about Daryl DK, a um, bit of a, an issue with a tendon in his comeback from his hamstring injury. We were expecting to see him on the bench at Bristol. He wasn't there. We were expecting potentially to see him last night against Nottingham Forest in the under-23s. Didn't see him. You know, what's the, what's the latest on that, Joe? How long before we might see Daryl DK now? Is it sort of concerning news really I think it is concerning news um, it's not I don't know I don't know how concerning it is it, look it is concerning news from what from what, I mean last time I spoke to Bruce was on Saturday at Bristol City we were recording this at one o'clock on Tuesday it's literally only a couple of days I've not seen him since I won't probably see him until the press conference ahead of the Birmingham game now so it's going to be another sort of ten days or whatever until I see him but yeah look when it, when you have injuries like the one Daryl DK had, it's not it's not the biggest shock in the world to suffer a setback and to feel a bit of a twinge somewhere else in your, in your leg. It's not it's not. This happened a million times before, and it'll happen a million times again for different footballers. It is disappointing um, because I like the word Bruce used about him in training when we spoke to him on Friday. He said he'd been rampaging around the training ground, um, which just rampaging just feels a good word for Daryl DK because he just is such a powerful unit. Um, So that's a real shame because there's no doubt Bruce was excited by him. Um, It it was kind of very, I thought it was very interesting that he was going to be on the bench at Bristol City. I mean, I don't think he was being rushed back in any way, shape or form, but Bruce did want him on the bench at Bristol City. He wanted to involve him in the first team as soon as he possibly could. He was only going to get minutes at Bristol City, um, but I think Bruce wanted him as part of it. He wanted him. To, he, 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 want, he did want. He did want him on the bench and part of the group and travelling down and stuff. So shows how highly like how, how eager Bruce is to embed him in the team and, and get him playing. But yeah, little little tweak on the Friday. Um, just no way they could risk him in that game last night. Although it would have been absolutely fascinating if he had played. Um, but. Yeah, sad news. Look, there was no like, there was no sort of. When Bruce was speaking about it, it was only like, oh, he's had this tweak. Really, it's not. It's not. He's not injured for six weeks. He's not injured for four weeks. We don't think it's not. It's not. It really isn't anything major. Um, but it was just. Yeah, it's just disappointing. It's, it's just putting back for however long. Yeah. Will he be ready for Blues? I don't know, but. Um, yeah, it's just a shame. It's just a real shame. Yeah, it's good to know that it's not uh, It's not something that hopefully is going to leave him out for too long. You mentioned there about him rampage, and I like the fact that every interview Bruce has done, he calls him Big DK. 
think yeah, we'll yeah. have to start calling him Big. I haven't called him Daryl DK or Daryl, just Big DK. I think yeah. we'll have to start calling him Big DK on the podcast. Um, just finally, before we get onto your questions, uh, Baggies fans, Joe, you were well. You were going last night to to probably see Big DK. Um, obviously, he wasn't he wasn't playing because of that that tendon twinge or whatever it was. Um, but you went to see the under twenty threes. It was a bad, bad night. Five nil defeat to Nottingham Forest. What was your well? You've done a, a very good piece in today's Express and Star and online. Um, just looking at the the young guns. You know what was your for the Albion fans that haven't read that. What what what's your assessment of of the Albion youngsters after after your visit to the Hawthorns last night? Oh mate, it was very, very, very disappointing. Uh, what very disappointing. I feel a bit like because. Credit to Joe Chapman at the Birmingham Mail because he goes every pretty much to every game, every under twenty three game. I go very rarely, um, just to a couple of season really. Um, but the truth is, I was going for DK. That's why I was originally going, um, and then obviously we found out on Saturday he wasn't going to play. But I went anyway just because I thought, Do you know what? <clears throat> we all think Albion aren't going to finish in the playoffs this season. It's probably only going to be a matter of time before. It's mathematically confirmed. Like there's, there, you'd like there's going to be games this season. You'd imagine there'll be three games maybe at the end of this season that Albion have got to play where there really is nothing on them. Where that there's just they can't get, until the playoffs is mathematically impossible. They're going to give it everything, aren't they? They're going to keep trying for it. But when it becomes mathematically impossible, if it becomes mathematically impossible, then Bruce is going to want to bed a few youngsters in. He's going to want to look at a few of these players. Um, and these players know that, like they're, they're not stupid. Like they know that Steve Bruce is in the crowd. They know that Alex Bruce is with him, and these games are now an opportunity to impress and maybe get a shot in the first team at it towards the end of this season and make an impression for next season. But yeah, absolutely, they were they were absolutely battered, mate. Um, they were absolutely battered. I mean, it sounds like they're um, they're in a bit. They've done very well all season in the twenty three. They've had a good season, but. Last two games they've really underperformed. It sounds, it seems like they've sort of hit a rut at just about the wrong time, um, which obviously all teams, all teams have them in a the season. They all have disappointing spells, and it feels like we're very much in a disappointing spell now for the under twenty threes. Yeah, there was. I mean, the best player on the park. We mentioned him in the podcast last week was Caleb Taylor. Sorry, not the best player on the park. Albion's best player um, was Caleb Taylor, who is a centre back. They conceded five goals. And he was still the best player on the pitch. Um, yeah, other than that, very, very disappointing. I think I went to the game. The players you're looking for really were Taylor, Ethan Ingram, because Bruce has name-checked Ethan Ingram in a couple of press conferences recent, uh, recently. He's been impressed with Ethan Ingram. Ingram's training with the first team a lot. Um, he's quick. He's got a nice touch on him. Looks good with the ball at his feet. His pace sort of can get him out of trouble and also his teammates out of trouble. Um, There's one ball over the top that someone made a mess of yesterday, but Ingram got round and managed to deal with it. Um, but he was his positioning was all over the show, really. And he gave the ball away quite a lot. And um, Yeah, I mean, he, there was worse on the night, but he wasn't great. And... Yeah, Reyes Cleary is the other one who we've got loads of questions on, but was again absolutely anonymous. Uh, I think there was a, there is a slight in in his defence last night. From what I gather, he's very much a striker that wants to latch onto balls, wants the ball played to him in the box where he can spin and get shots away and stuff. He didn't have anything like that. He he basically spent, yeah, he spent the whole night of his back to goal. And believe me, he's not a player who you want with his back to goal. I mean, he didn't hold on to the ball. He could barely pass to a teammate. I mean it. He really struggles. Um, yeah, just Ryan Tullock played central midfield, which is obviously not his position. Um, and showed like some nice feet on occasion, but um, basically just had no idea how to play the role. Um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't good. I mean, you look at um, Forest's team. And I've got to be honest, if you give me that team, like when I put up that team sheet, I didn't know a single player on it. I'd never heard of any of them. Um, and they were head and shoulders above. Head and shoulders above. Um, and that's what Richard Beale, the, the manager, said afterwards. He said, you just don't, you'll never make it in any, he said, you'll never make it in anyone's first team, let alone here. 
Um, if you play like that, if you don't play with that, with the intensity, the aggression that you need, and they didn't have it last night at all, um, which I feel a bit bad about. I feel a bit bad that like barely having barely gone this season, I go to a game like that and put out a report on it. I feel a bit sorry for them, but that's the way it goes at the end of the day. If we want to be professional footballers, there's always going to be a press box full of people writing stories on them, isn't there? So they've got to get used to it. There we go. Disappointing week for the first team. Disappointing week for the under-23s. Right, questions. We've had quite a few. A lot of them have probably been answered through Sam Johnston and um, other things that we've we've mentioned. But I'll go through I'll go through some of them. Um, two seconds and I'll grab them up. Um, we had one from David Law. Um, we've probably a- we have answered it. It's difficult to answer this question. It's just put often here references to players being quite mentally fragile when the pressure is on. Um, it's been a trend for three years. Which players would you identify as applying that to? We've spoken about that, haven't we, Joe? It's probably it's hard to say either individually or collectively who which players it is. But there, you know, we've we've acknowledged there is a problem. Um, yeah, I mean, I said to you, it's difficult to answer, isn't it? You said to me a question at the start, and I was like, "That's the million dollar question or something." And well, that's yeah. that's the ten million dollar question. Like that is the one that we all need to know. The only thing, I, I, it's very hard to know. It's very hard to know who's meant. Who we're accusing of being mentally weak, basically. Um, but the only way I can answer it is by saying who I don't think's mentally weak. Now, that's not me saying I think everyone else is mentally weak, because I just don't know. But I'm pretty confident that Jake Livermore's not mentally weak. Well, I'm very, I'm, I'm, like, I'm absolutely, I'm, I put my, I'm put my mortgage on that. Um, I don't think Connor Townsend's mentally weak either. I think he's a proper pro. And the third one might be a bit of a surprise, but I don't think Carlin Grant's mentally weak either. I think he's pretty strong-willed and strong character. Um, other than that, question marks. I don't know, and I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I don't think everyone else is. I because I don't. I really, really don't. But I don't. But I'm not. I I, I would. If you like. I back those three. Um, I think they're. I think they've got. I think they're leaders, really, in their in their sort of own way. I don't think Carlin Grant. I think Carlin Grant's had poor games this season, but I don't. But I don't think he hides. I don't think he. I think he. I think he can cope with. I think he can cope with pressure on his shoulders, the expect the expectancy and stuff. I don't think that gets to him. I think. He, I think. I genuinely think he can deal with that side of the game, and I think Jake Livermore can deal with it. I think Connor Townsend can deal with it. I think Dar Rocher can deal with it. I don't know, and, and they're the only ones that I'm absolutely certain on. There's other players who I think can deal with it as well, but I'm not as certain on them, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it is a tough question to ask. Um, definitively. And there may be one or two I think can't deal with it, but I, don't, I wouldn't want to say because yeah. um, it's not fair, really, and I could be completely yeah. wrong. So. Yeah. Just on uh, another question, we've got a question here from. Monk 5 WBA. What is the solution to get the best out of Dean Garner? Big Sam, Val, and Bruce look looked like they don't fancy, well, haven't and don't fancy him. It appears only capable to perform wide left. Hasn't it formed for two years now? It is. That's another million dollar question that we've had a few of these, haven't we, Joe? It's just trying to replicate what Dean Garner produced under under Slavin two years ago. Yeah, um, I feel like I mean. Obviously, Dean Garner's not playing at the minute, really, um, in terms of the three-five-two. You'd argue doesn't suit him. He is a winger, um, playing without wingers. Um, Bruce, Bruce, I don't think Bruce is against playing them in the in the front two. Like he's he said that all along. Um, but there's no doubt that Callum and Carlin have had a natural understanding all season, even when Albion have struggled, even when they were having that poor run of form, even when they were struggling to break teams down under Ishmael. If Albion were gonna score, that it was probably gonna be was it was probably gonna be Callum or Carlin who scored and it was probably gonna be whoever did the other one setting the other one up. But like it, I mean that that has been Albion's best route to goal this season without a shadow of a doubt. Um first sort of six games, Albion looked really threatening from set pieces, didn't they? That looked our best route to goal. But since then it's the Callum Carlin partnership that is our best route to goal simple as that Grady doesn't yeah he's behind those two um, to play front two 
He'll be behind DK when DK's fit. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Great. Everyone loves Grady Dean Garner. I love him. Everyone wants him to succeed. Everyone knows what a wonderful talent he is. Every, but we are. It is getting to the stage now where everyone's. I feel like everyone's starting to run out of patience a little bit. I'm starting to run out of patience a little bit. Uh, do you know what? This is a bit controversial, and I don't want any other websites ripping off what I'm about to say because I really just don't. I just want it in the context of the podcast. I wouldn't be against him leaving on loan. Now. To go and rediscover some form, almost. Yeah, I mean, I think in the past, Salwick wanted him. I think when I think Salwick have looked at him. I think Salwick looked at him when, um, he, either permanently or, um, when he was at West Ham. Anyway, Salwick looked at him. I wouldn't. I think a year in Scotland as playing for Salwick would be brilliant for him. Um, get his confidence back. Come back and be, and and it's all. I'm pretty sure it's all confidence for Grady. Um, but I think he'd go to Scotland. I think he'd tear it up. Maybe, my, maybe even at another Championship club. I think um, I don't want to see him leave. All I want, everyone, all anyone wants is Grady to be a success at Albion. I mean, that is. I mean, he's, he is a player to get you off your seat. He's one that you really, really want to succeed. But the question is, how long do you keep waiting for it? Yeah. Um, and it's getting to the stage now where like. The, Person, the question said it has been two years. Like it, so it's a hell of a long time, and he's a young lad, a fresh, a fresh move away, might just give him a bit of a lift, and he can come back and kick on again. Maybe I don't know. I'm talking up just off the top of my head. I'm not sure, but cue the articles tomorrow morning from yeah. multiple websites. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I know. on the verge of selling that, move. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying that maybe it's. it's I think my concern is I think Albion are in a position in the summer. And this is not based on anything really. This is not based on any financial information. But I think we're in a position where it's going to be similar. It's going to be one in, one out, really. Yeah. Parachute payments are going to be cut. Um, there's only so much money. Like you've got, you've got to cut your cough accordingly. You've got to keep one eye on if Albion don't go up next season. We're not yeah. going to be the favourites to go up. Like whoever comes down for the Premier League, let's say Norwich come down, which they're going to. Norwich are going to be favourites to come back up. Like, We've gone from this season where basically we really, really should finish in the top three to next season when the playoffs is a fair, a fair, a fair finish really. Um, so obviously we'll be looking for a mic promotion, but no one could really, if a season finishes next year, let's say Norwich win the league, Burnley finish second, and we finish third, that would be a pretty good season really. Yeah. Um, so you. Like we've got to start cutting our cloth accordingly. We've got we've got can't be like, and we've got so many players on long term contracts, so many players, and we've got no no assets. Our biggest asset is Sam Johnson, who's going to leave on a free. Our best, our next biggest asset after that is probably Daryl DK, who has barely kicked the ball for us. So we can't sell anyone to bring in any cash. Like it's not going to be. It's just it's just not going to happen. So. No. I think free agents, I think loans. I mean, the Bosman market is interesting. There's some good players out there. I'll do a piece either this week or next week on some of the Bosmans I think yeah. Albion should target. But I think we need to start looking at one in, one out. And maybe sending Dean Garner out on loan for a year to save his wages so we could bring someone else in. I, I wouldn't be against it this, uh, anymore, um, which is a shame, really, because... Grey Dingana is probably still the player I want to succeed more than any other, him and Daryl DK. Because I do think, talent-wise, there's just so much there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thursday Throstle with a question. Uh, we'll keep this one brief, maybe targeting a couple of areas. If you were put in charge of Albion's transfer transfers in the next summer, and assuming we're in the championship next season, he's been given a budget of £10 million, which is very, very generous, considering what we've just spoken about. Um, so, But aside from that, what areas of the squad would you look to improve Reinforced. Let's say two, Joe. Just off quick fire off the top of your head. What are the two main areas you would look to improve? If well, Albion are obviously going to be in the Championship next season, aren't they? Um, where would you look to strengthen? Um, right wing back. I don't, if we're saying Taylor Garner Hitman's not or right back, whatever. Um, I think Darnell Furlong needs some serious competition. I think Taylor Garner Hitman can do right wing back. I'm not sure he can do right back. Um, Bruce has spoken about Ethan Ingram. I'm not sure after last night. I'd, I'd rather see him go out on loan, to be honest. 
Um, I think we seriously need a right back. I'm, I, think we're, I think we're okay at centre back. Are we okay for a goalkeeper? We don't really know. Sam Johnson's going to go. Josh Griffiths, Alex Palmer, David Button. All decent options, but we don't know until they play. Everyone's very excited about Alex Palmer and Josh Griffiths, but no one knows until they play. Um, central midfield's the big one. It's the real big one. Um, we need some more creativity in there. We need some more energy in there. We need some more composure in there. I'd keep Remain Sawyers. We've got a year option on him. For me, Sawyers comes straight back in, but... Would he want to? He took a lot of stick. Um, I think he probably would because he loves Albion. But yeah, I think yeah, I think we're struggling. Central midfield is the big area for me. Central midfield. I won't. Yeah, it really depends on who we can get out. Really. Um, my priority, it sounds stupid, but my priority at the moment is outgoings rather than incomings. I'd be, yeah. I think it's what we said at the start of the podcast. We need to get rid of three or four. And I'd be happy to get rid of three or four and then look to fill them, to be honest. It, um, but we really need strength from central midfield. We yeah. really do. Um, another question, Clint McCormick. Uh, this break is actually the longest period Bruce will have had with the squad without a game. It's taken time for him to work a few things out. Performances results have improved recently. Do you think there's hope that these two weeks could see Bruce improve things further? You'd like to think so, wouldn't you, Joe? Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. Um, it's a good point, actually, because he has it. It is the first time he's had an extended period of time with him without a game. Um, just coming at the wrong time, isn't it? Um, Probably needed it a bit earlier. Just needed it. Needed it a bit earlier. And we're on a bit of a down there. We're saying the same things, but the one thing you can't coach is character, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, I'm just not sure Albion's problems can be fixed on the training ground anymore. I think it's recruitment that's going to fix them, unfortunately. So, yeah. I don't, I, I, I don't think Albion played badly at, at Bristol City because of Steve Bruce. I don't. I think they played well against Fulham partly because of him. I think he set them up perfectly. But I think the way he set them up at Bristol City was absolutely fine. It was. I don't. I don't think he like. It wasn't his. He's not the reason they didn't play well. I think it's the players. Um, so yeah, Bruce will probably benefit from it. The players will probably benefit from it. But I just think there's bigger issues, unfortunately. Yeah, a couple more. Um, question here are we getting a little obsessed with players like Cleary staying and playing because we're sick of the mercenaries we currently have <laughs> and we think they'd at least try I like this last line as well from what I've seen he's a, this is not the view of the ENS podcast by the way um, from what I've seen he's essentially the year 11 playing with the year 7s he's nowhere near ready <laughs> for the first team uh, it was quite an interesting line but we have mentioned it haven't we Joe you know we spoke about Reyes Cleary last week and there's this contract that everyone seems to be asking about. Yes, he scored a lot of goals earlier in the, well, for most of the season in the under-23s, but there is a massive gap. And I suppose there probably is more emphasis on these youngsters with the plight of the first team. Yeah, I don't like the word mercenaries. Like, I think, like we said earlier, if you want to debate whether or not these players are A, technically good enough and B, mentally strong enough, to warrant the salaries they get paid. I think that's absolutely fine. I don't think they're mercenaries. Like, They do try. They do try. They're not bad apples. It's not... It, this is an issue of quality and mental strength rather than yeah, laziness or greed or any, anything like that. It's just, it's, it just isn't that. Um, Reyes Cleary, what can I say? What can I say? I mean, it's just absolutely like bonkers. Um... Uh, part, if I'm being honest, part of me feels sorry for the lad. Um, he's got a very, very good agent by the sounds of it. Well, actually, is he a good agent? I don't know because I, I feel sorry for him because of his agent. Um, I, said this in, I said this before in the podcast, but we'll say it again. It's worth repeating. That, um, so if you just put Reyes Cleary um, into Google on search and go to news... The first one is Arsenal join race for Reyes Cleary. The next one is Bayern Munich step up their interest in Reyes Cleary. The next story is Bayern Munich again. 
And the fourth story is Borussia Dortmund and Hoffenheim are monitoring Reyes Cleary. Now, I've said this before, there isn't a journalist in the country, and I mean a journalist in the country, and there's some brilliant journalists in this country, John Percy, David Ornstein, whoever you want to say, the big dogs, the real big dogs. There isn't anyone in this country who's got contacts at Arsenal, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund and Hoffenheim. They just haven't. There's no one who's got those contacts at those four clubs. It's absolute nonsense. So the only person who's leaking that information is Reyes Cleary's agent. He's the only possible person who can know who are after Reyes Cleary. There isn't one journalist who's rung around a load of clubs and gone, oh, hello, is that Hoffenheim? Hoffenheim? What do you think about Reyes Cleary at West Brom? Do you like him? That conversation's never happened. That has never happened because, let's be quite frank, it's utterly ridiculous. Like, how would you ever link Hoffenheim and Reyes Cleary? It just wouldn't happen. So... He's got a busy agent who is touting him round by the sounds of it and claiming that basically everyone, all these wonderful football clubs are interested in his client. They may be. They may be. And look, the lad has absolutely smashed them in um, for Albion's under-23s and Albion under-18s. I'm going to make a statement now. It's a bit harsh. We get a lot of questions on Reyes Cleary. When we put out saying we want questions for this podcast... I would be amazed if any of the last 20 questions we have got about Reyes Cleary were some from someone who's watched him play in the flesh. Because the lad's nowhere near ready. I'm not saying he's not going to be ready. I'm not saying he's not going to be a really important player for Albion in the future. I'm, but I'll tell you now, on the 22nd of March 2022, he is not ready. He is not ready for the first team. So anyone wanting him to play, I'm sorry, you, it, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. And you look on the flip side of that, if he was ready, he would probably be in the squad regularly. He's not even making the bench. This is what people because, don't seem to realise. In, in, in a situation like this where Albion have struggled for goals, had their £7 million signing wiped out through injury on his debut, if he was at the level now, he would be in, surely. He'd be in, mate. Of course he would be in. Like, be, like, Valerian Ishmael would have played him. Steve Bruce would play him. Believe it or not, Ishmael and Bruce want to win games of football. They know to win games of football, you've got to score goals. If they thought they were sitting on a prolific striker, um, they, believe me, they play him. Um, the lad can stick the ball in the net at under-18, under-23 level if you play to his strengths. It's all-round game at this moment in time. I mean, just isn't isn't there for the first team. Hopefully, who knows how rapidly he makes his progress. Maybe he'll get a go in pre-season. Maybe he'll leave. Maybe he's 18 months away. Maybe he'll stay. And not next season, but the season after, it'll be absolutely brilliant. Um, but I'll tell you what, mate. If I was picking a team tomorrow, he wouldn't be in there. He's just not. He's just he's just not there yet. And I, I like, don't get me wrong. I hope he stays. I hope he's fantastic for Albion. I hope... He scored 30 goals this season. I hope he's soon scoring his 20th goal of the season for Albion. Could he do it? Yes. Potentially. Absolutely. He's a finisher. He's a goal scorer. He's got potential. But he's he's not ready. And it's not fair on him. It's not fair on him, for, for in my opinion, for his agent to be leaking these stories that Arsenal want him, that Bayern Munich want him, that Borussia Dortmund want him, that Hoffenheim want him, that who else want him? I don't know. Everton want him as the next story. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Let's finish the questions on a Massey rant. Oh, sorry, that we was all a like, rant, yeah. We all like a Massey, a little bit of a Massey rant. But thanks for your question. A great way to finish, really, because you know we had probably six or seven questions on that topic today, and 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 it's interesting to get Joe's views on it. But thanks for your question. Sorry for the ones we couldn't read out. Um, do get in touch again next week, uh, Joe. Not really much to sign off on. It's going to be a, a be a quiet a quiet weekend. No game night till till Birmingham uh, week on Sunday. Um, I, I suppose just to finish in saying that like Bruce will get a bit more time on the training field with a lot of these players now. I suppose there are a few away on international duty. Um, Shemi Jai, Dara Shea, etc. But I'm sure this is a time that Bruce will really sort of benefit from going into the running. Obviously the playoffs are out of reach, but hopefully they can come back and have a, have a proper good good stab at it after this you'd like to think 
Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. It feels a bit like we're waiting for the season to end now. Yeah. I know you want to end on a positive <laughs> note, mate. We're not going to end us today, unfortunately. But he's got that time on the training field to maybe get a few po- <laughs> you positive results. You want to cling into that, mate. You no, want to positive- cling into that. I'm just, I'm just to get some positive results almost to finish the <laughs> okay. season with it, you know, to give the fans something to shout about. We had something to shout about through Fulham, but obviously that was short-lived. Okay. I suppose that's got to be the aim now, isn't it? In the running, I'd have thought. That's the aim, mate. That's the aim. If that's what keeps you going. That's <laughs> You've had enough, haven't you? Yeah. I can't believe you haven't. You've had enough. I'm not on about the season. I'm just on about today. I'm just on about today. You just want to go and do something else, don't you? I just, I just find it funny. I find it funny that you. Know, I'm the one that always gets criticised for being too positive and too upbeat. And here's you, here's you like. I'm just trying to find something to round it off. I, I should have just, fin- I should have just finished it on the Massey rant, really. Bless you. What bless are you doing? You. With your, I'll tell you what. What are you doing with your your Saturday off, Joe? Let's finish off on that. You got any any nice plans? You got no no Saturday game, no Sunday game this weekend. Anything nice? I don't know. I might, I might go for a nice little day out or something. I might, I might yeah. maybe take go to Thomasland with my little little girl or something. Oh, my little boy, something like that. You're going to Shrewsbury, aren't you? Hopefully. COVID, Matt, COVID, COVID aside, trip back to Shrewsbury, yeah, hopefully. Back to where I've been in recent years. So, um, Who have they got on the weekend? They've got Lincoln. They've got Lincoln City. Lump on the Lincoln, then? Nah, well, don't be like that. The run, <laughs> it's gone now. It's gone, hasn't it? I had a, I had three good results on the bounce. Then I wasn't there at Bristol, so it wasn't my fault. True. The run's gone. The run's gone. Although, if I go to, I'm at Wolves a week on Saturday. Oh, good. Against Villa. If Villa win, then yeah, I don't think I'll get out of Molyneux alive. Um, but thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast. Thanks for your questions. Um, like we said, roller coaster of a week, up and down. Ended with a downer at Bristol. Well, a late drama, but a bit of a downer at Bristol. Yeah, the playoffs are a pipe dream now, if we're <laughs> honest. But um, but thanks very much for listening. Um, we'll be back uh, next week. Um, so goodbye. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Joe. Goodbye.